It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I'm with Mike Cordell, who is the other half of our auto expert. And Mike uh, very rarely gets to join us on the radio, but uh, you're actually with me live today. That's a big difference from normal. I'm with you live today, but why don't I get to join you more on the radio? Let's do this. I know. We should. We should. You should come up to Seattle. You should spend some time in the studio. Uh, you actually live in Southern California. That's probably that's the main reason. I that's why it's that. problematic, of yeah. course. Yeah, the flights. So uh, we are actually, by the magic of radio, have transported ourselves to uh, New York City, where we're taking a look at the cars that were introduced at the 2018 New York International Auto Show. Uh, the flavor of the show, if you had to take one element away from this show, what would it be? SUVs. There's no question about it. Everybody's launching SUVs. We're sitting here, of course, in front of the Toyota RAV4. You have the Lincoln Aviator, the Acura RDX, and MDX. I mean, and then you've got Hyundai, and they have a Tucson and a Santa Fe. So you have a variety of SUVs that are being launched and showcased here. And I think it's, you know, it's pretty easy to, to look at this, just pulling numbers from somebody like NADA Guides, uh, you know, they're an online search engine tool for consumers in the marketplace. You know, they're saying that last month, 66% of the vehicles that were purchased in the market, what were they? Yep, they were uh, they were light trucks and SUVs. So that's where the market's going right now. It's completely heavy, and it sort of it, it, it rains and pours, or it's a drought. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, Cadillac have had nothing in the compact SUV segment. They've never had a vehicle there. American consumers are desperate for something. Uh, they've really only had the, the Lincoln Nautilus, which is just about to come to market. There's no American vehicles in that segment that are luxury, and that Cadillac just launched their XT4 for the first time, and their management admit that the Cadillac are behind the times. Yeah, and, and I I get it. I mean, it makes it makes sense uh, because you got you want to you want to focus your product planning on where the heartbeat of your brand is. So for Cadillac, uh, that Escalade, I mean, it sells out every single year, and they know that their sedans are incredibly important to their brand. So you have to figure out where you're going to cross diversify your product line. And I'm I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it on radio. You know, I think you're really seeing a rebirth with Lincoln right now. I think Lincoln is really on an uptick. North American Truck of the Year with the the Navigator, but this. Aviator, Nick, I mean, I haven't seen an SUV that kind of threw me back in my seat a little bit uh, like that Aviator. Yeah, let's talk about the Aviator for a little while. Uh, the Some of the technology on this vehicle, to me, completely outstanding. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the smart key idea. So, you know, we've, we've heard this is coming. Volvo have said they were going to go to a smart key, and now Lincoln have actually done it with the Aviator. So this is where you don't actually need the key for the vehicle anymore. You can just use your smartphone. No longer. We've been able to unlock vehicles and open the trunk and put the seats down with a smartphone, but the first time you can actually start and drive the vehicle yeah. with a smartphone. Yeah, it's amazing to see what these automakers are doing, and, and I think for you and I, who have been in the industry for a long time, you know, you go back 10 years ago, and there, were the, there was discussion about using apps to control vehicles to start uh, start stop unlock lock doors uh, and now you're at a place where you're actually seeing smart watches and smartphones control vehicles I just I think it's it's incredible to watch there are a lot of naysayers in the market that are purists um, but with what Lincoln's doing I, I'm really amazed I think it's because they brought in a variety of new people on the engineering side and a variety of new people on the product planning side they're, they're really becoming an innovative brand, and it's fun to see, especially as an American 
you know, you're British, of course. Uh, as an American, you know, consumer. Cons- yeah, it's cool to see, man. It's cool to see. It's uh, it's quite heartwarming. We've wanted Lincoln and Cadillac to be successes for so long, and they, and they've struggled. And really, Lincoln saying they're going to have now six SUVs in their lineup. They're going to electrify their whole lineup. They're going to have things like uh, camera predictive suspension. So a camera sitting in the vehicle that looks ahead into the road and sees what's coming up in the road, and then adjusts the suspension. Right. I mean, these vehicles now are ahead of their time. They're not just playing catch up. They're actually making the rules. They're ahead of their time. But here's, I mean, and I I always look at things from a lifestyle standpoint when it comes to consumers in the marketplace and what they're looking for in vehicles it's it's like dating right you look at somebody and you either are attracted to them or you're not and that's the case with the Lincoln brand right now is that you look at the navigator and you go I like the look of it I'm not going to consider a vehicle unless I like the exterior when we come back on our auto expert we're going to start to talk about some of the vehicles that we've seen revealed in New York and I'll tell you the list of SUVs is absolutely endless More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines and they're off. Back to Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Welcome back to Our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Miles. Joining me on this show is Mike Cordell. We are looking at some of the cars introduced at the New York International Auto Show. Uh, Let's look at RAV4. RAV4. Uh, This is the big baby in the segment. When I say big baby, it's the smaller uh, RAV, or it's a smaller SUV from Toyota. But it's the biggest SUV in that segment, that compact segment. Uh, It is the king and it has been outdated for a while. Toyota are very freely uh, admitting that their vehicle could have done with a lot of updating. Does the new RAV4 meet the rest of the marketplace? Oh man, well you use here's you used king and baby all in one set. So king in sales, definitely. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that the RAV4 was ready for a refresh. They needed to bring a new vehicle to market that breathes a little new life into what this vehicle looks like. Now it's a global debut. It'll come in a gas and hybrid version. It'll come uh, all wheel drive as well, but Nick, that nighttime pedestrian detection, I mean, how cool is that? I mean, uh, you know, my immediately my brain goes to so the news guy inside of me. My brain goes to Tempe, Arizona, the woman crossing the road that was hit by the Uber. You know, if it had had this system that can identify pedestrians at nighttime and avoid them or, you know, use the systems to warn you, that may have been avoided. And this is the sort of thing that we're all looking for in our vehicle. We need to be cautious, especially with this Uber situation. I agree with you 100% you know, the different types of LiDAR that are available. And for those listening in, LiDAR are the sensors on the front that have the ability to uh, see in front of the vehicle. Um, I love that they're, they're calling it nighttime pedestrian detection because everyone just talks about in generalities. But this is a sensor specifically for dark viewing. And I think that's something that, like you said, Nick, might have uh, helped in the situation in Arizona. Uh, and, me- and immediately this vehicle has uh, a lot of new safety systems on it. Uh, Toyota saying that it'll have the SafetySense 2.0 as standard equipment on it. And that is what they're really calling their suite of safety features, which includes things like uh, lane departure warning, uh, the Bliss system, all of those type of things. Uh, Toyota have always been a leader. So we know Toyota as reliable, safe uh, vehicles that are uh, for a reasonable price and does this RAV4 meet that criteria that Toyota have been known for? There is no question at all that Toyota with their safety sense they meet the the, the standards 
believe it or not, I mean, they've set the standards in the marketplace with their safety sense technology with lane departure warning and forward collision alert. Um, but here's what I also like is that they're driving the future of technology as well. So for example, uh, Wi-Fi connectivity is now something that you're seeing in more of the vehicles that are on the road. There's this powered by Verizon. You know, it gives you that access to Amazon Alexa, Apple CarPlay, those types of compatibility uh, technologies that you want in a vehicle. So I think when you look at the whole package, you're getting a lot of the technologies that you would have paid a premium for in years past, you're getting those in a vehicle that's going to have a price point that's going to start in the 20s. Interesting question for you. So we have seen a lot of times that uh, Wi-Fi in vehicles has been used uh, from your cell phone. It uses your cell phone's Wi-Fi, the cell connection. But I have seen at least four vehicles here at the show for the first time have their own Wi-Fi modems in and a data plan to come with them, something that Audi have had for a long time with their vehicles. Is this the new turn that the data plan is embedded in the car? Well, there's a variety of topics that surround connectivity in vehicles right now. And uh, you know in the next year, if you kind of separate yourself from the auto industry and you start talking about 5G technology, once one of the telecom companies comes out with 5G technology, the power is going to be in your phone. That smartphone is so, pun intended, smart, automakers have to decide whether they want to offer the connectivity or do they want to just have the user via Bluetooth utilize their cell phone. Because right now you can get in a vehicle that's Bluetooth enabled and connect your phone to the car and access smart, you know, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, and all of those features. So it's a battle for the automakers right now. Do you want to offer it to consumers and have them maybe not use it because they're going to use their cell phone, you know, in lieu of it? And maybe it'll go to and forth as we, you know, as we get Wi-Fi in cars, it's 4G, that's great. But as the phones become 5G, maybe people will switch back to using their phones, you know, because then you can actually get a faster rate of data in the cars. That data is going to be smoking fast. And, you know, you've got a battle right now. And it's not even Sprint, Verizon, those others. You're talking Qualcomm and Microsoft and IBM. They all want a slice of the pie. So, um, but it just just backing up for a minute, the fact that automakers are offering Wi-Fi connectivity in vehicles is cool. Talk to you a little bit about Apple CarPlay and Android Auto when we come back because there's some interesting things going on with which automakers are adopting who. That's when we continue. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Mike Cordell. We are talking about some of the cars released at the New York International Auto Show. Uh, Mike, I got some super interesting information. Um, Apple CarPlay Android Auto is the standard expected in most vehicles around the world, but certain automakers yeah. are uncomfortable with yeah. Android Auto. Yeah. So, so Lexus and Toyota are one of them. They're, and they're uncomfortable with the data plans that Google have as part of the Android Auto. But right. they, there's some sort of information exchange that they, they're not happy with, so they're not putting them in the cars. So there's multiple questions here. First of all, are consumers buying these vehicles based on whether their phones connect? Are you an Android guy? Are you getting a bad deal? If you're an Apple guy, are you getting a better deal? And do you not buy a Toyota because it doesn't work with your Android phone? No. The answer is no. Um, if you have Bluetooth connectivity with your, with your phone, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter 
so use the Lexus as an example, the UXF Sport that we were talking about yesterday. And I say this, I say it on air, I felt pretty comfortable saying Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And then one of their tech guys came over and said, hey, man, just so you know, we're not working with Android Auto with that vehicle or uh, uh, Android devices with that vehicle. Um, But the reality is, is if you have Bluetooth with that vehicle, I can still utilize some of those services with that vehicle. So consumers, I think they care about it in the marketplace, but they're not going to use it as a driving factor in regards to whether they buy a vehicle or not. They're just not. I think they're going to do what we talked about in the last hour, and that is you look at the vehicle from an exterior standpoint, do I like the look of it? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Sort of divided between Apple and Android as far as uh, the connectivity devices are concerned. But there are some other companies. I mean, Toyota has their Entune system, which is, again, you can pair your phone to and you can use a lot of the apps inside the vehicle. But Seattle's very own Microsoft has not played a part in that since Sync right. and the Ford Sync. So so it seems to be a two-horse a two race still. If I could give uh, automakers, and it's funny that we're having this conversation because I'm an iPhone guy and you're an Android guy. Um, I have my issues with my my iPhone. I don't think I've ever heard you say you have an issue with your Android. I think you love it. I'm sure I have plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as I look at it kind of holistically, 36,000 foot level, and I look down between um, the competition between these brands, you talked about Microsoft, you talked about Seattle, you talk about Apple. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a decision point at the at the level of the consumer where they want to say, you know what, I can only identify with this vehicle based on the technology that's being provided. As long as I've got Bluetooth and I can make that cell phone call, that's like that's like step one. Then step two is being able to integrate in, you know, the features that I want. I will tell you this in closing on it. Uh, I've had a lot of experience with the uh, Ford Sync system. I think it's phenomenal, especially their newest version. When I connect and hardwire my phone in, I can literally put it in the center console and do away with it and I can make every phone call I need I can listen to all my my music apps it's a great way to uh, be connected in the vehicle but it's not overwhelming from a tech standpoint so there's still some limitations and they do limit those for safety reasons they don't want you picking up your phone and scrolling while you're driving right. all right of course we never do that we pull over right the the, the, the truth of the matter is that I think Apple Android and and uh, sorry Apple CarPlay and, and and Android Auto are still very limiting right. in what you can do with Watch them this. they're not there let me just take a gamble and I'm going to gamble this how do you listen to your music Usually I listen to, like, in t- tune in. Yeah. Yeah, because I can listen to radio stations. Pandora, Spotify. Yeah, yeah. No, t- I mean, I'll listen to tune in. I'll listen to Como on tune in. Uh, that's most of the time what I'll do. Also, some very cool technology in the brand new Subaru Forester. I want to get to that because it's actually scanning you while you drive and using recognition software. We'll find out what it does, how it does it, and whether you want it in your car. That's coming up on our Auto Expert. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. Welcome back to our auto expert. I'm Mike Caudill, and this is Nick Miles. Uh, Mike is uh, my partner at ourautoexpert.com, and we uh, do car stuff. Is basically the the the. the the whole gamut of everything. Mike, let's talk about the brand new Subaru Forester. Uh, I had a Forester, 2000. I bought a brand new Forester. It was uh, it was my car. Of course, it's uh, huge in Seattle, big cars in Seattle, Subarus. Uh, new Forester has facial recognition software in the vehicle. Uh, the result of that facial recognition software is it will tell you whether you are not in a fit state to drive 
too big brothery? No, not at all. I like that idea. You know what? You and I travel the country, test driving cars, being at auto shows. Uh, great example, I'll fly back tomorrow night at 6 o'clock uh, from New York back to uh, San Diego. I'll land at 9 and I'll get in my car and I will drive an hour north back up to Temecula. I can tell you right now, these are 18-hour days for us and I am beat down tired. If there's a sensor in the car that will just say, hey man, just a little bit more focus. It just reminds me of what's important in my life, my wife and my kids, right? So having that kind of technology in your vehicle, I think is very important to the end user in the marketplace. And you and I are both responsible people, but there are people out there that are not as responsible. They're on their cell phones. They're thinking about other things while they're driving. And uh, let's face it, man, I mean, cars can be killers. So let's be smart about putting technology in that, uh, that really helps aid the driver. I'm okay with it. It's not big brother to me. So there's, there's two interesting kinds of uh, cameras, scanning cameras. There's the cameras that look outside the vehicle for information. So they look for pedestrians, for animals, for cyclists, for road signs. They identify them. They can put that information up on the screen. There's uh, the nighttime infrared cameras that can identify animals in the road. They can identify pedestrians walking alongside the road. But then there's this whole other gamut of cameras, the cameras that are looking inside. They're looking at the driver. They're looking at the passengers. What point does it start to become invasive? Does it start to become not an aid when it starts to watch you? What happens if you take your eyes off the road and you get a ticket because you weren't paying attention because the car tells the cops, hey, Mike's driving home from San Diego Airport to Temecula and he didn't pay attention enough and he should get a ticket for careless driving. At what point does it start to become no, invasive? I am A-OK with that. And I, you know, I think there are levels of technology, right? So if it's a facial recognition tool that will serve as an aid, I think that's OK. If it's a facial recognition tool that serves for data mining, you know, thinking about Facebook and all the news of, of them listening in on your cell phone calls, I think that's a different level of, of Big Brother, right? So I think if it's a tool that's used to just help mitigate problems, I think that's a great uh, tool and technology to have inside your vehicle. But if they decide to take it further than that, then I think that's an issue. Let's talk about some of the, uh, the sensors in the rear of the vehicle. So an example of that brand new sensor in the back of the new Hyundai Santa Fe that was unveiled here. So fourth generation Santa Fe, nice new vehicle, uh, impressive new vehicle but here's an interesting thing that they've done so General Motors always had a reminder in the back of the vehicle that would say hey you'd open the rear door you may have put something in the rear seats it's called a rear seat reminder perhaps you got a kid a dog a bag in there don't forget it so as you got out of the vehicle and said hey by the way you opened the rear seat but in the brand new Hyundai Santa Fe there's a sensor in the back that senses if something's moving after you've left the vehicle so uh, useful or redundant I'm kind of caught between on this one you know it's called safe exit I think it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting concept you know I, I think one of the things I struggle with and and I, I like it and I don't I don't want that to be mistaken I think it's it's cool to try these types of technologies my only concern is that we're all fighting to find something new oh how can I be the most innovative one in the market place now what i do like is it you know it does it, it gives you uh the ability through the technology to not unlock the rear doors so if there's oncoming traffic and a kid tries to get out it won't, right. it, it won't it won't unlock the door won't unlock the doors um but i think you have a lot of vehicles right now that once you put it in drive those doors lock anyway so it, it's a little bit of redundancy but again it's looking for ways to mitigate issues you know i'd have to look at some ntsb or traffic statistics on how many people jump out of the back of their vehicle i think it's pretty low but i might be wrong uh, I'm going to talk about some of the other SUVs. There's some sporty SUVs out there. There's a new Maserati. There is a brand new uh, Acura MDX, a brand new Acura RDX. There's some cool, hot performance SUVs. 
Do we need performance SUVs? What happened to the utility? The U, remember, SUVs. Now they're becoming more sport utility vehicles rather than just utility vehicles. We're going to talk about those when our auto expert returns. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. Mike and I are still in New York. Mike Cadell is my guest. He is the other half of our auto expert. And we're talking about some of the cars, trucks, and SUVs announced at the New York International Auto Show. So Acura are probably the biggest company to release performance utility vehicles. Uh, Their MDX got a surprise appearance at the New York International Auto Show. We weren't expecting it to appear as a refreshed vehicle. But they have introduced an A-Spec version. And very much like Mercedes-Benz have their AMG version, uh, they have the M versions over at uh, BMW. And that really builds out the vehicle to be more of a sport utility vehicle uh, and sport being the key word. So, so let's ask the question, are consumers requiring more performance out of their SUVs? I mean, the Jeep Trackhawk is the perfect example. This thing has unbelievable horsepower. And is that something that we're going to see in SUVs in the future? Well, you hit the nail on the head. And when you talk about performance and you put Acura in that same tonality, uh, A-Spec is where all the performance is at and 40% of sales within the uh, the A-Spec lineup, or 40% of the sales from Acura are within that A-Spec lineup, which is their performance edition. Now, you look at the RDX, which was a pleasant surprise here at the show, and if you look at the MDX and RDX, they're both performance-based vehicles with that RDX 272 horsepower under the hood. But let me throw this at you. It's kind of funny. Uh, as I looked at the vehicle on the show floor, uh, I'm thinking Acura. I'm thinking Japanese. But guess what? Design, developed, and built where? right here in the U.S. They're much more meaty and beefy. We've always seen slimmed down, very rounded sides, very rounded, uh, sleek views. Uh, I guess a leaner uh, vehicle that comes from the Japanese designers. But this is beefy. This is wide. This is turbocharged. This has uh, big 20-inch wheels on it. This is a vehicle that actually says meat and potatoes. And here's one thing I really like about it as well, is that when you combine all of that together and then you made it like a lot of all the other automakers are doing with a 10-speed transmission, you're talking about taking performance to a new level with a 10-speed transmission. It allows you to achieve better fuel economy, but also when you uh, click over one of those electronic driving modes into the sport mode, it allows you to really increase your speed as well. One thing about these cars that we used to see them, let's say, appear from the Japanese makers, and then, you know, two years later, we'd actually see a final product. But now when we see cars rolled out at auto shows, especially the uh, Acura MDX and RDX, uh, which was shown here in New York, they're, they're talking about them coming to market within three months. Uh, much, much quicker. You know, take a look at the Lexus UXF Sport that was showcased here in New York at the auto show. The UX has already come out, and now the UXF Sport version, it's going to be on sale, you know, later this year. So they're really working hard as an OEM. Uh, at the manufacturing level to get vehicles to market faster when consumers say, hey, we want it. You know, all these automakers are doing a great job of marrying small displacement motors with higher transmission levels, so a 10-speed transmission. We knew that it was a Maserati Levante that has really elevated that brand. Um, Maserati, of course, it sits somewhere between Alfa Romeo and Ferrari. It's this luxury brand that has performance in its DNA, and they have a new uh, head of the brand, who is Tim Kaniskas, who was 
originally the guy that sort of saved Dodge for Fiat Chrysler automobiles. Tim has come over and the first car that he gets to launch is this Trofeo. The great thing about the Trofeo is it takes the Maserati uh, Levante, which was already quite a success, and it kind of adds on this amazing racing element to the vehicle, uh, giving it the DNA of much higher performance vehicle. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about how you can follow our auto expert 24-7. Also, we're going to talk about uh, sedans because the sedan market is still alive and kicking in the United States. And there's some new sedans that were shown in New York at the Auto Show. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. We're in New York for this week's show, and we're talking about cars, trucks, and SUVs that you will see in your driveway very soon. New vehicles introduced at the New York International Auto Show. I want to remind you, if you enjoy our auto expert and you want to be able to see some of the vehicles and see some of our television appearances, you can always go to the website. We have plenty of video up there that actually shows these cars that we've been talking about. You can also uh, subscribe to us on social media, and that's the easiest thing to do. You just go to our auto expert on either Facebook, Twitter, or on the uh, Instagrams, and then just follow the hashtag, our auto expert. You can check out our accounts. I have my personal accounts there too, which are Nick J. Miles, and there's no C in Nick. It's N-I-K-J-M-I-L-E-S. You can follow me and see all of the things that we do with these brand new cars. And it's often great to hear about them and find out about them on the radio, but it's also a lot of fun to be able to see them and see some of the performance things that we do with these vehicles. So you can find us 24-7 on the website and listen to all of our old shows. You can uh, click on the subscribe for the podcast segment and actually hear some of these podcasts that we've done in the past. Of course, that, all that video sitting at ourautoexpert.com. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles Welcome back continues. to Hour 2 of Our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Miles, and we're in New York City for this show. I'm with Mike Cordell, who's the other half of Our Auto Expert. Mike, there were a couple of concepts that we should mention before we get into sedans that were shown at this year's uh, auto show. Uh, let's start off with the Tonok, which was an Atlas, which is VW's full-size SUV. And really what they did is they took the back end off and made it into a truck bed of this vehicle. They changed the front somewhat, but it was one of the vehicles that got some of the best reaction. It did. It got a lot of the, the great reaction uh, and I think it was a little bit of a surprise here at the auto show and, you know, I think one of the things I love about what you and I do, Nick, is that sometimes you and I even differ on our opinions regarding trucks in the marketplace. Me being the American, you being the Brit, we uh, we look at things sometimes a little bit differently. I think that's what makes us unique and brings us together. So as I look at the Volkswagen uh, that they brought to market, I, I see it with mixed uh, emotion. I'm a traditionalist, rear-wheel drive, uh, domestic guy, Ford F-150, GMC, uh, Sierra, Silverado. So uh, I see it with mixed emotion. I'm not sure where that's going to hit its sweet spot here in the U.S. marketplace, but I think it's cool that they launched a truck here at the New York Auto Show. You don't think uh, necessarily that these vehicles have any place being trucked? Like I said, you know, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to trucks, so I like payload. I like thinking about, you know, the utility side of the vehicle. But you know what? If you live in an urban environment, 
then the Volkswagen is going to make sense for you. So take New York City, right? If you want a truck in New York City, it's going to be small. It's going to be nimble. It's going to allow you to park in certain kind of parking areas, but still be able to have the utility of putting things in the back. I think it makes sense. I just question where the volume is going to be. And you have to just take one look at Honda on their Ridgeline, right? So a Honda Ridgeline, they sell as many as they can make of those trucks. And really what it is is a Honda Pilot with the back end cut off and a truck bed on it. It has some design changes, clearly. But at the same time, people are buying these because they want all that comfort and utility of an SUV, but they also want the ability to throw things in the truck bed, like the dogs, like luggage, like being able to take trips to the garbage, like picking up stuff from Home Depot, like putting sand in that back of that truck, like going camping. I think there's a place for it. I just don't know what sales volume is going to look like. And it'll be interesting to see uh, if American drivers, you know, look to that vehicle and say, hey, you know what? We want to move towards a a Volkswagen truck Um, and absolutely fun vehicle, great vehicle. But I don't know if I'd be down with a truck. I I want to mention something else about that uh, VW Atlas Tonoke, the the truck we saw the first time in the New York International Auto Show. That vehicle had lights which were part of the grill okay i love that design feature and i'm not getting i'm not saying that there are things that i don't like about um, volkswagen bringing a truck to market but i do love that i think the design of it is really cool i took a lot of pictures of it i think i spent more time taking pictures of that than some of the other vehicles on the floor yesterday i think their design is a hundred percent spot on instead and i'm trying to explain this on radio it might be kind of complicated but instead of having uh, the lights as one unit at the edge of the grill the lights actually were part of the grill and they went all the way across the grill and so it looks like the grill at night but when they light up the grill itself sort of lights up and projects that that lumens onto the road yeah it's a design feature that no one else really possesses in the marketplace they've done something that other automakers haven't been able to do and that's take a design element of lights and integrate them actually into the grill i think it's really cool Uh, And then at the same time, there's lots of cladding on these vehicles. So when you actually take a look at the back of the truck, there was lots of cladding around the outside. And that is great because if you want to put stuff into the truck, you want to hang stuff over the edge of the truck, there's sort of this plastic lip that goes all the way around the bed. And that plastic lip really makes it so you can't damage the truck itself. I'm wondering how long it's going to take to actually see things like trucks um, become completely plastic in the rear bed. Now, here's a bit of a fun fact. Uh, There are a lot of trucks in America, and as people use those trucks for their work and their play, they're also starting to use them for families, and families are now taking a truck as their primary vehicle. That's why a lot of people are requiring to have USB drives in them and more comfortable seats and more comfortable and easy-to-use electronics in the trucks of today. So to come, we're going to talk about uh, some of the trends in automotive and also talk about what's probably going to happen as far as autonomous cars are concerned. After the ruling came down uh, in Tempe, Arizona, uh, after the woman was killed by an Uber self-driving vehicle, does that mean that the public is not ready for self-driving cars? And with the upcoming elections in November, are governments going to push self-driving cars forward or is everything going to be on hold because they're worried about upsetting the public? That's all coming up as our auto expert continues. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. 
Mike, sedans used to be the number one segment in the automotive industry. It used to be the major leader. They used to be the family cars. Uh, since CUVs or crossovers have appeared on the marketplace, the sedans have taken a second place to those crossovers. But they're still an important part of the marketplace. They still sell about 3 million a year out of the 18 million new cars, trucks, and SUVs that are sold in North America. So they still mean an awful lot of money for automakers. So if you have one of the top five, uh, it's important that you keep those cars refreshed and going. We did see some new introductions, including Kia's Optima here at the New York show. You're going to see a variety of great sedans being showcased at the New York Auto Show. You just mentioned the Optima a minute ago. I think what Kia is doing to really elevate the brand identity with the K900 and the Optima, they're really moving their vehicles in upward direction, new styling inside and out. Uh, it'll come with uh, a variety of great safety features in it, um, not to mention assembled right here in the U.S. Um, I love where the pricing will start on this vehicle, and although they haven't really announced it yet, expect that pricing to be in that $20,000 range. Nick, the Nissan that was launched here at the auto show, the holy Ultima. smokes. Ultima and Optima, it's hard to keep them apart. It's hard to keep them apart, but that Ultima, first all-wheel drive and turbocharged version, but it's about that exterior styling that really sets that vehicle apart. I mean, you want to talk about performance? Nissan is kicking some major butt with that vehicle. One of the things that's interesting is Ford are investing uh, $4 billion in reducing the costs of production of vehicles, uh, which seems a strange thing to do it redu in putting $4 billion to reduce how much it costs you to make vehicles. But that means all those new technologies are shortening life cycles of vehicles. So they're going from just under six years to just over three years. So instead of waiting six years for the new version of a car to come, so how it, how it currently happens is there is a vehicle introduced about three, two or three years later, you see a mild refresh, which is usually uh, some things that weren't quite right with the first version some buttons are moved around some new technologies are added they get a new usually a new front a new rear um, some new cladding on the body but the actual car the meat and potatoes the frame the chassis all stays the same and then uh, three years beyond that so just before six years at the end of the life cycle the car gets a complete refresh it's usually on a new frame it gets new engines it gets a lot of new technology that's changing. What car companies are doing now is because of things like CAD design and because of robots and because of 3D printing, they're able to return these cars to market with a completely new version within three years or so of the original version being made. So where you have been, maybe have been paying $25,000 for a well-loaded mid-sized family sedan, you might be paying $18,000 in the future. And Kia are one of the leaders in that because these guys are innovators in technology. They're innovators in new ways to actually produce these vehicles. They're looking at new materials constantly. Uh, they're looking at body panels that are not just metal anymore. They could be aluminum. They could be plastic. They could be carbon fiber. And so do you think that these cars are going to be good, as good and as solid as the cars we've had in the past? What they've been able to do with, and you call it aluminum, I call it aluminum, what they've been able to do with aluminum on vehicles in the past five to ten years is incredible. I mean, even the F-150 is all aluminum. So when you look at this, this new Nissan Altima in the marketplace, being able to reduce the weight on the vehicle allows you to start integrating things in uh, like the safety features to get that price point down, not to mention uh, all-wheel drive, right? Isn't it an all-wheel drive vehicle? Yeah, so, I mean, all-wheel drive has traditionally been very mechanical and very heavy, but with things like uh, torque vectoring on corners and that sort of electronic systems that can be put into all-wheel drive vehicles, 
uh, electronics are a lot lighter than mechanicals and so you're not having lots of cogs and metal pieces you're actually having electronic things that do the same thing and if you go back dating my history a little bit working in uh, product planning on the PR side for Lincoln years ago I mean you start in product planning the price of a vehicle from a concept is well over a million dollars and to get it to a point where you can actually make it cost effective to the consumer in the marketplace you have to find ways to reduce the weight reduce the, the features of the vehicle to get it to a place where a consumer can afford it when when you take the price of a vehicle and take that into consideration what automakers have been able to do is they've been able to reduce the weight on vehicles integrate the technology in, and get them to a place to where they're standard we're talking about like Toyota Safety Center one of the things I want to talk about when we return is the fact that these car companies are lumping all these safety things in in one group and calling them something that we don't necessarily recognize. When we break out each individual piece of safety, there are some things that are coming standard on these cars that will blow your mind, whereas you would have had to pay. Now they're coming standard. And we'll talk about what those features are and what actually things like Toyota Safety Sense 2.0 means. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. I'm with Mike Cadell. He is the other half of Our Auto Expert. Doesn't often appear on the radio show because uh, Mike heads up our Southern California Division, I would say, of uh, our auto expert division. division. Um, Mike, let's talk a little bit about these uh, safety systems. So we've been talking about things like the Nissan Altima, the brand new vehicle announced at uh, the recent New York International Auto Show. It has turbo, it has all-wheel drive, it has a 360-degree safety shield around the outside. It has their pro pilot system. So automakers are calling things like Safety Sense P and uh, 2.0, and we don't really understand what they contain inside of those. But if you take all of those safety features, like lane departure warning, like uh, lane mitigation, all of those type of things, they're included in that. And one of the things that Toyota are putting on their vehicles, and Lexus putting on things like the UXF Sport, they are putting adaptive cruise control that stops in traffic and goes in traffic as standard. It even comes on the brand new Corolla hatch. And the best part about it is in just a little history lesson for a uh, little timeline history lesson for listeners. 18 years ago, it's 2018, 18 years ago, right around 2000, a small little company in Southern California called Iteris created a technology called Lane Departure Warning. That was the original company behind Lane Departure Warning. Uh, it was then in partnership with a company called Valio, which is a tier two manufacturer for automakers. Uh, the short version version is um, Infinity bought that technology and integrated it in their vehicles. Everyone has a different name, lane departure mitigation, lane departure warning, lane keep assist, but it's all the same thing, lane departure warning, and that means the vehicle, if you drift to the right or drift to the left, a sensor will come off and keep you, or the steering wheel will adjust a little small amount to keep you in your lane. Adaptive cruise control, that's another one of those features that automakers are now making standard on vehicles, not to mention pedestrian detection, not only on the front, but on the rear of the vehicle as well. And Toyota, Nick, uh, just showcased what they're calling nighttime um, pedestrian detection, which is really cool. Um, I, I think one of the things that I have often seen in these vehicles is that you had these as options, and those are now becoming standard. So it, what used to be something where you'd have to pay an extra $1,500 for a, perhaps a package is now coming as part of that package. But at the same time, they're appearing on the smallest cars, the cheapest cars. The other thing that automakers are starting to do is embed modems in their vehicles. So you've always used your cell phone as the main piece of connectivity to the outside of the vehicle. But they're now putting modems in the vehicle so the vehicle does all its own connection for instance in the new Kia Optima it will update its maps automatically for you 
as roads change, as tundras change, as new things happen on maps, it will actually adapt that, bring it into the car, and update it automatically without you having to do anything. But at the same time, is that a bit of a frightening security lapse there when your car is talking to the world and you're not in control? No, I think there's a great way to, to merge technology with what is practical in the marketplace. You know, you take a look at the Ford uh, Edge ST, which I still consider one of the most underrated vehicles in the marketplace. It's a small sport utility vehicle. You get 50 feet of Wi-Fi connected activity with that vehicle. Get out of your car. You can go 50 feet away from that vehicle and still be fully connected. You know, using technology from a service standpoint is something that automakers are also utilizing this Wi-Fi connectivity for. So let's say your your oil changes up or you need to have your tires rotated or even worst case situation, something is malfunctioning with your vehicle. That Wi-Fi connectivity and hotspot of the vehicle will be able to sensor and kick something off to a service technician that could then reply to you and say, hey, you need to get this fixed with your vehicle. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more, more about whether we think that hurts sales and whether uh, self-driving cars are off the radar because they're politically out of, uh, let's say, something that people want to be involved in. That's coming up as our auto expert continues. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. Welcome back. I'm with Mike Cordell. We're in New York, the international auto show here in New York, wrapping up. Uh, Mike, let's talk about political, the weather, as far as autonomous cars are concerned. So setting the background, the history of what's happened and where we are right now. An accident in Tempe, Arizona, by the way, which was not the first Uber accident. Uber had an accident in 2013 in which a six-year-old was killed uh, crossing the street by an Uber driver who was in between calls. And that lawsuit went on for a long time. This in Tempe, Arizona. Arizona, where a lady was killed crossing the road with her bicycle, um, was settled almost immediately within a month of the accident. And uh, the disclosed, the undisclosed amount will never probably be known. But this leaves a climate for government really being uncomfortable with self-driving cars. What happened with Uber is they decided not to reapply for their license in California. And the main reason of that is probably the fact that they didn't want to have to sit in front of a panel and explain what happened in that accident. The governor of Arizona, who was very for uh, car self-driving cars, is now saying he has some concerns about self-driving cars being practiced uh, or used, tested on the streets of Arizona. Uh, Tempe, Arizona is going to be canceled as a location for Uber testing, as is uh, California, anywhere in California. So the question is, we have a looming uh, election coming in November. If automakers make uh, get politicians to decide one way or the other whether they support it, it may go against what the public wants and then may hurt them in the upcoming election. So do you think that things are on hold, as I do, up until November? You think things are on hold? Yeah. Okay, so here's what I think. I can argue either side of the coin on this, and our responsibility is... Uh, auto professionals is to at least present the facts and then let the cards fall where they're going to fall. Here's what I would say about autonomous driving right now. It's an incredibly safe technology and, and the industry as a whole is really embracing it 
and working hard to create technologies that are safe. If you look at just pure raw data, what is it, 35,000 people a year die in car-related accidents? How many of those are related to uh, alcoholic uh, driving, you know, driving while under the influence? How many of those are related to texting or quote-unquote distracted driving? Um, so I could make the argument either way. I think there, there will be some political ramifications, but I don't think you can stop technology and the wave of the future is autonomous. Uh, you know more than anyone else, Nick, I'm a purist. I love to drive. I love horsepower. I love American horsepower, but I just love horsepower in general. I love to drive cars. But is there a place for autonomous uh, features and driving in our future? There's no doubt about it. Semi-autonomous driving is already on the road today with lane departure warning, adaptive cruise control, front pedestrian detection, things that mitigate and uh, help drivers uh, drive better. What will happen with the situation in Arizona? I think there was a rash decision that was made quickly um, in Arizona to stop uh, autonomous driving on the road. Do I think that's right? Uh, I think you need to stop, smell the roses, figure out what the situation is. Um, I know that Waymo's president, John Kraftcheck, came out this week saying, hey, we have 300 feet uh, detection. We would have been able to prevent that. I don't believe it. Um, I really don't. I'll call him out right now. I don't believe it. There are a lot of factors that have to go into saving lives when it comes to autonomous driving, and I think we're really close. Interesting, because I'm going to take a slightly different viewpoint on this and say that I, I don't think the problem is the technology. I think the problem is the people. political climate, people's climate. I mean, people are afraid. Uh, new polls right after the Arizona incident happened in Tempe, where the woman lost her life, show that the public is unhappy with self-driving vehicles. They don't trust them. They don't believe them. When a machine, a machine makes decisions, a machine makes decisions which involve human lives, your family's lives, pedestrians' lives, your community's lives, we cannot trust that that machine can make the right decision every time. Well, I, I mean, and I, I understand and I agree with what you're saying. Um, it's, I, and I don't know if it's technology versus the machine. I think it's also psychology, right? Your ability from the time you started driving at 16 years old here in the States, your hands are on the wheel and your hands are controlling the gas, your hands are controlling the clutch, your hands are controlling, your feet are controlling the brakes. Um, acceleration is done in your own brain. And now you're saying turn that off. It's a very hard thing to do. Will it uh, change the climate? I think human beings will still rule whether autonomous cars are what's going to happen in the future. When we come back, we'll round up a look at some of the future technologies that have been seen at the New York International Auto Show as it winds down public days. I'm Nick Myers. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Myers is coming up on Como News. Charge your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. For this week, I want to talk a little bit about some of the future powertrains that we have seen uh, in New York. I guess probably one of the most exciting was the EV race car, the Formula E race car that Nissan had on display at the show. You know what? I think that Nissan is one of the automakers out there, and I don't know a handful of them are. They continue to innovate. You know, I love the fact that they brought their Formula E race car here. I love the fact that you're going to be taking certain technologies like what they've learned with the Nissan Leaf and integrating that into a motorsports vehicle. They'll then take that on the track and they'll learn from the track. Then what they can then take back and put into the the EV uh, that will be on the road of the future. So I love what Nissan's doing with the Formula E vehicle, and uh, it's a great transition, Nick, into uh, the Hyundai Kona EV. I think that was a very pleasant surprise here in New York. A lot of great stuff to talk about with that vehicle. Yeah, that originally shown at the Geneva show, but uh, on the floor here, the biggest, most important 
portion of this EV in the Kona from Hyundai was a flag in the sand to say, by the way, uh, Tesla, we can do a better miles yeah. range. Uh, so the EV Kona from Hyundai has a range of 250 miles on a single charge, whereas the Tesla Model 3 only 220, and where the Chevy Bolt only has 238. So they have exceeded that mile range in the Kona. Now, we haven't test driven it. It's not available for us to test drive yet. It's coming to market. It's not quite here yet. It's a future vehicle that's just around the corner. Perhaps this fall we'll be able to drive it and buy it. But at the same time, we're talking about 250 miles. Do you remember when electric cars had a range of 60 to 80 miles? Big changes in the last few years. Hyundai is not messing around with the Kona EV. And here's what I can tell you is that if you take their technology from the Hyundai Ionic, which is their, their previous uh, and current electric vehicle uh, powertrain in the marketplace, here's what you can take away. That 250 miles will be reached. Uh, one thing that they did that's different with their vehicle that I, I actually applaud and like is that they took an existing platform in the Kona and then they engineered the front of that vehicle to be more aerodynamic. So if you look at the front of a normal Kona and look at the front of the Kona EV, you're going to see how the, the two fronts look different, and that's to create better MPG, better ability to control the flow of air over the top of that vehicle. You'll achieve 250 miles on a charge with that vehicle. I think that you're like expecting to see vehicles uh, that will have more than that. I mean, Jaguar's I-Pace uh, showed off here. Uh, I'm now a self-driving I-Pace as well. Yeah, so they partnered in Waymo with that vehicle, right? So you want to talk about LiDAR technology and sensors on the front of the vehicle. You know, partnering with a company like Waymo and thinking about LiDAR and how it applies to the road. Uh, and then you integrate in e-technology. You know, e you know, you're talking about the whole package. And, and I know I know this is where I'm going to catch my flack from you. I'm going to do my one shout out. I get to do it. It's my... It's my no, yeah, it's yeah. not the Ford yeah, C-Max. Yeah, so, so, right, you know, a sub $25,000 vehicle that has electric technology in it is the Ford C-Max Energy. Uh, very near and dear to my heart. I've had two of them. And you know what? I'll tell you, the green sticker on that thing makes a lot of sense. I get great fuel economy around town because I don't have to put any gas in it. The unfortunate part is... It looks ugly. No, it's going away. No, they just continue. <laughs> That's great. That's the best part for me. The C-Max is going away. One of the ugliest cars ever built. No. It, in fact, I think Ford employed the guy with the ugly stick to beat yeah. that. You know, here's the funny thing is you hate it so much. But here's the best part is anyone that gets to experience that vehicle, you know what they say? It's great to drive. They love it. Right. They no, love no. It. I would give you this. It's it's great to drive on the inside. It's a little plane really on the like inside. It right. looks like a bubble with Don't seats lie. in it. You're lying. But it's ugly. You're lying. You it's ugly. Like it. No, it's not, man. There, it's cool. You're European, too. You should know. You're British. It's, it's got that European flair. And I'm British, and that means... I have a class. I'm European. I have beauty. I have beauty and class. Rolls Royce. Hey, I got a Rolls Royce. I'm European. All right. Uh, our auto expert has enjoyed being with you from New York. Uh, we will be back to round out the show. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. A recap of some of the vehicles that uh, we have talked about here in New York, a new RAV4 with that nighttime pedestrian detection. We talked about the new Hyundai Santa Fe. We talked about the Hyundai Kona Electric, which is very cool. Subaru has the brand new Forester. There's uh, two new Acuras shown on the floor, the MDX, the RDX, in their A-spec version, the sports car versions of those vehicles. Uh, we also talked about Hyundai's new Tucson, which actually has some very cool features in it. You can do Amazon, Alexa, uh, their wireless version um, inside the vehicle. Uh, we also talked about a new Hyundai 
Optima, uh, which has the uh, automatic modem inside, which updates it. Sexy with the new Levante Trofeo, uh, which goes uh, up to 187 miles an hour. The new EV uh, vehicle, the EV Formula Nissan race car, which was shown on the floor. And Lincoln's new Aviator. Um, we have a new Ultima on the floor, a new K900 from Kia. The Toyota Corolla uh, hatchback, including some new concepts as well. When we come back next week, we'll be talking about more cars, trucks, and SUV. 24-7, ourautoexpert.com is available. I'm Nick Mayo. Stay connected. Stay informed. This is Como News.